In the past few weeks of our New City Catechism devotional, we've been considering the idea of faith, uh, what it is and what it means to place our faith in something. So not just that we believe something about the Bible, but we believe in what the Bible proclaims. We believe in Christ. We don't just believe things about Christ. Uh, and this week we, we bring that kind of to a close by asking this question, what do we believe by true faith? We believe everything taught to us in the gospel. The Apostles' Creed expresses what we believe in these words. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And the passage that is used this week is Jude, verse 3, says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, the Apostles' Creed and, and others like it, um, the Nicene and the Athanasian Creed, um, really serve an important purpose in, in the history of the church. Uh, I, was, I was shown and taught this idea of, of what's called the five-fold test of orthodoxy. And so when we consider what is orthodox, we, we compare the teaching to these five things to see where it fits or if it fits or if it is, in fact, considered heresy. Um, and the five-fold test is one Bible or canon, two testaments, three creeds, four councils, and five centuries along with the church fathers. Um, and the creeds play a part in that five-fold test of orthodoxy. These three creeds, specifically the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. Um, the, the Apostles' Creed being one of the more familiar to us. We say it in church together on a, a pretty regular basis. Um, and it, it reminds us of what Jude 3 says. We are to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, it's important to remember the, the creed is not the Bible. Uh, we, we hold to the truth of Scripture, but as you walk through the creed, you will see aspects that really the whole of the creed are pulled from Scripture. Um, we believe in God the Father Almighty. He is the maker of heaven and earth from Genesis. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son. We've already considered the triune nature of God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Those first chapters of Luke talk about this. Born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. What we are talking about this week and, and, and remembering very specifically on Good Friday and then his resurrection on Easter. 
that on the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty, and from there he will come again to judge the living and the dead. The Apostles' Creed really proclaims this faith that has been delivered to us. It, it is a succinct summary of the faith. And this is the, the importance of creeds and, and confessions really do this work. They, they summarize uh, what we believe, but they're not just what we believe about. Again, these are confessions. And so it's not just a body of beliefs. We believe that these things happened, uh, but a confession of faith. I believe in these things. Uh, and so this is why we say the Apostles' Creed, because it is a confession of faith. We believe these things to be true and a proclamation of the gospel. And, th and there's some evidence that even the early church used creeds or statements of faith in their worship. Um, there are various passages throughout the New Testament that, that seem to be creeds that the church would have recited together. And creeds serve several functions, highlight a couple of them. Uh, they're instructional. They, they teach us something. So they, they teach us um, truths of scripture. But if we take a step back, they also teach us what the church has believed throughout the centuries. So as we look at the Apostles' Creed, we can see that for centuries, these are truths that the church has held to. So when we think about something like the Trinity, or we think about who Christ is and what his life, death, and resurrection accomplished, these aren't new beliefs. These aren't something that we made up or pulled out of Scripture just in the past couple hundred years necessarily. No, we go back farther and we can see throughout many centuries, this is what the church has believed. And so they, they teach, they instruct uh, as we've already said, they're, they're doctrinal. They, they are a summary of faith. In the same way that our denomination has a statement of faith, um, the creed serves as a kind of statement of faith, a summary of what Scripture teaches as essential. Uh, and in safeguarding and in proclaiming what is essential and what is the truth, it also safeguards against heresy and and that which is untrue. As we look at the statement of faith and as we look at scripture, we have a lens and, and a framework through which to evaluate other teaching to say, does this fit with what the church has believed and what scripture proclaims? Uh, and then another function of creeds is that they are liturgical or, or to be used in worship. Uh, they are a good reminder that our faith is not strictly individual, it is communal. And so we confess together the truths of Scripture, and we use creeds to confess those things. And they, they point us back to God. And they, they ground us in a history of faith. And so creeds serve a really important function in the life of the church and should not just be neglected. Uh, I have been using Be Thou My Vision, a devotional resource, uh, and daily reads different parts of different creeds, and it's been really helpful for me in my own walk with Christ as I remember the truth that is uh, ancient.
uh, and the truth that is really true. So I, I encourage you, spend time in the creeds, spend time with the creeds and learning them and, and, and being reminded of the faith that has been passed down from generation to generation and is the truth that God has given to us. Now, in the Apostles' Creed, there are two statements that can be a little tricky and, and cause some confusion. So, I thought it would be helpful to, to look at those and consider what they might mean and why we still say them. Um, the first is this phrase, he descended to hell. Um, there is certain certainly biblical grounding for that in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the Catholic tradition... Um, would say that this descending into hell was for Christ to preach the gospel to those who have died during Old Testament times. Now, that that is not stated clearly in Scripture, so that's just uh, leaning on tradition to get to that conclusion. Um, but the, the language, as it's seen in the Old Testament and how it likely would have been read, is, is simply that Christ died. Uh, I'll read a quote from a book called Know the Creeds and Councils, and it says this, Dying was the final stage of Christ's humiliation, a necessary passage before his triumph in the resurrection. Second century theologian Tertullian wrote that Christ, our God, who because he was man died according to the same scriptures, satisfied this law also by undergoing the form of human death in the underworld and did not ascend aloft to heaven until he had gone down to the regions beneath the earth. The Latin translations of the creeds themselves do not agree on how to phrase this doctrine. Some have said that he descended ad inferna, into hell, and others ad inferos, to the dead. The latter reflects more closely, it seems, the intention of the creed. A number of contemporary translations reflect this understanding by changing the language of the creed to he descended to the dead. And again, simply, uh, it would have meant that he died. And so we, we say this as a reminder that Christ died. His death was necessary. We've considered that already through this devotional series. We need to remember um, he didn't just feign death as some would maybe try to proclaim or he didn't um, so that he couldn't have risen again. He didn't actually die. No, he died and so he rose again. And, and that death is necessary. Uh, the second phrase that is confusing and causes problem uh, is this phrase, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, if you look at the, the creed, uh, Catholic is a lowercase c. So it's not referring to the Catholic Church in, in terms of the Catholic tradition. Um, rather, it's, it's referring to the word Catholic, which comes from two Greek words that, that mean, put together, mean according to the whole, which has led some to translate this part of the creed as universal instead of Catholic. So we believe in the universal church would be the way that that is phrased. Um, again, quote from this book, Know the Creeds and Councils, that I think is helpful to uh, consider. He says this, the term is usually translated in Protestant churches as universal. But this does not quite do justice to its richness. Catholic means that the church exists in every nation where the gospel has spread. Second century church father Ignatius of Antioch wrote that wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic church. 
And 4th century Father Cyril of Jerusalem wrote that the church is Catholic not only because it is spread throughout the world, but also because it teaches completely and without defect all the doctrines which ought to come to the knowledge of men. Wherever the whole apostolic gospel is visibly maintained, that is where the Catholic Church is. And so this word Catholic is not just that the church exists across time and is in all of these places and is the universal church, but, but it also carries with it the idea of teaching of true doctrine. Um, and that, that's why we, we still say this word, because there's a richness to it, uh, even though it can cause some, some confusion, um, it, it, it is still a word worth saying and worth knowing, and worth knowing what it actually means. Um, so as you, we think about creeds and confessions and councils, I would encourage uh, this book and commend this book to you, Know the Creeds and Councils. Um, it's a helpful book. It walks through history. It walks through application um, and, and walks through many of the different creeds that, that we have and hold to. So I, I commend it to you. It's a good, good read. Uh, and it brings us to, to what do we do with all of this? And I'll land on this. The faith that we proclaim, the faith that we hold to, um, the things that we hold to by true faith, they are not new. Uh, they don't pass with time. They don't go away over a few years. They, they are true and have been true. Uh, and have been proclaimed and held to by the tr church throughout history. And it is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Knowing creeds and councils and having a belief about can be helpful and they're, they're good. Uh, but we place our faith in God the Father Almighty who is faithful and has preserved his word across history. And has used the church and creeds and councils to guard against heresy, to bring us back to the truth of his word and remind us of, of who he is as God the Father Almighty, the Son incarnate, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and that is a truth worth celebrating. And we look forward to celebrating it this weekend as we gather for Easter.